Someone spoke to me the other day, uh, not the other day, it was a couple of weeks ago. What are we now? We're in March, March 2021. God, January had about 300 days in it. February had about three. And now we're into March. Um, I think it was beginning of February, end of January. I I think it was, um, you know, you saying, what were you doing? You were doing try January. I think that's why I think that's why February disappeared in a blur. <laughs> it did just in a blur. Uh, I know it's a short month, but that's ridiculous. Welcome to the How to Raise Money podcast for anyone who wants to raise other people's money for a business or property venture. Right now, there has never been more money on the planet and there has never been more opportunity. This podcast will help you put the two together. So if you need money for your business or property proposals from banks, lenders, angels, whales or dragons, this is the podcast for you. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the How to Raise Money podcast. My name is Ray McLennan. And it's with me, Nigel T. Best. Raymondo, how are you doing? I think yes. I think we got the um, look at, if you watch us on the video, we got the memo from the milk tray company that they needed some chocolates delivering because we're all in black here. We're all in black again. I know. I know. Very we good. To coordinate. <laughs> <laughs> I was really going to say something controversial there. You know, like women who spend a lot of time together kind of coordinate things, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, I I struggle to put my uh, leg in the right trouser hole. So uh, on a morning. So don't, you know, you're asking a lot there. But right. We got, we got a, a great topic here. It's kind of hit the reset button, isn't it? And let's go back to the beginning um, yeah. because it's the a basics. good topic. Yeah, back to, back to basics, how to raise money, um, small amounts of money through to large amounts of money. So today we're going to talk about smaller amounts of money because, um, well, I think at the moment there's a lot of, uh, we, we don't get a lot of requests for smallish amounts of money, but we do get them. We do get people saying, you know, I was in a, I was in a, a clubhouse room the other day. You may have heard of clubhouse. I was in a clubhouse room and it was uh, about raising finance. And with all these things, it's very subjective because someone came on and said, um, I need to raise a large amount of money and I don't know how to go about it. And can you give me some advice? So the first question was, well, how large is large? And she said, it was a woman, she said, it was a young woman, she said 6,000 pounds. And I said, okay. Um, the reason I asked, I said, because there'll be people here, everyone listening will have different thoughts of what that means. Um, so it's nice to just sort of clarify it. I said, well, um, if you're asking me about uh, private investors, that's not really something that we would facilitate. Now, that does not mean it's not something that a, that a private lender would do. Big difference there. Um, so uh, we, anyway, we talked about that. And as usual, what I like to do with anybody who comes to me saying they want to raise money, I always always say, well, have you considered everything else first? Because there's a cost attached to raising money. That cost could be in terms of interest rate, but there's also an emotional cost, especially if you're exchanging a part of your company for some money that you might never be able to get back or you know, some other, some other mechanism that might um, cause you some Emotional challenges, and I don't mean emotional as in, you know, you're going to throw your teddies at the pram and things like that, because there are different types of emotional challenge. Uh, You know, some people get emotionally challenged just by having borrowed money. 
and then others get emotionally challenged if they've borrowed money and have had to give a personal guarantee or some other form of security that makes them nervous. And that's not good for, for doing business if you're worried, but if you're constantly thinking about something or if you're stressed about something. And it, it used to be said that, you know, the more money you borrow, the, the sort of more stressful it is. But actually, the opposite is true. I find that people who <laughs> I, I spoke to someone a couple of weeks ago who borrowed over 100 million. As wasn't you do. in the slightest bit concerned. <laughs> <laughs> Put it all on red. No, black, red. Oh, God's sake. Can I borrow some not, more? Not in the slightest bit concerned. And then there's some people that, you know, they borrow five, six thousand pounds and they're nervous nellies and can't handle it. It's just a mindset thing like everything else. Well, I, th I think that leads us beautifully into number one, which is the mindset. So the, the very fact there that you raise the issue, if someone said, I, I want to borrow a large sum of money, and their definition of large is very different to other people's definition. Uh, to some, it would seem an impossible. I mean, 100 million to most people seems like an impossible amount. Um, but let's face it, you're not going to go in and ask for your first deal um, for a hundred million, but the, yeah. the process and the principles of getting your head around borrowing money for some people, um, you know, it, it's never a lender nor borrower be mm. with some things drilled into people so that they, they say, well, if I haven't got the cash in the bank to buy it right now, I'm not going to buy it. But I think we've got a generation of people who have seen the power of leveraging, um, borrowing, to purchase assets that generate an income. And uh, just uh, throwing a quick bonus tip in here is to get your hands on the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, to give you the understanding of that concept. Because the, the weird thing for me, Ray, on mindset and borrowing is you will have people who will be extremely nervous who, who tell you, oh, don't borrow money for property. That's dodgy. However, if you say I've spotted a nice car, that'll end up in five years time being worth about a 10th of what I want to pay for it. Now they'll be, they'll, they'll pop you in their car and drive you down to the bank to get a loan. Yeah. And it, it's yeah. just this crazy, crazy sort of attitude, isn't it? To, to debt and, and how people say that there could be good debt and there could be, you know, not so good debt. So mm. the mindset, you know, you must, you must see that a number of times, Ray, people, as you say, people are nervous about borrowing tiny amounts and yeah, yeah. You... I mean, on that on that very subject, it happened to me a number of years ago when I had uh, a restaurant and I was building the second restaurant, and I was going, I was looking ahead at the cash flow sort of thing, and I thought I'm going to be short of money for some kitchen equipment. It wasn't a huge amount; it's twelve twelve thousand uh, pounds. But I had one restaurant up and running, and I went to my bank and I went in and I said, "Okay, I'm trying to get the second one off the ground. You know, you've seen all the turnover that's gone through from the first one." And they wanted business plans and this and that. And the next thing, and when I just said, "Look, it's twelve thousand pounds. It's not one hundred and twenty thousand uh, pounds," they said, "Well, we're we're not keen on on lending for these kind of assets. You know, kitchen equipment because it can depreciate real quick." And I said, "Well, it's cookers. It's things like that that I need in the restaurant to generate the revenue." Um, but they weren't for it. On the way out of the bank was the sign, you know, the cardboard cutout of the woman pointing at a car loan for, you know, 8% APR or something like that, up to 25,000. I had an account with the bank, uh, personal as well as business. I walked over to the window and said, I'd like a car loan, please. 
and walked walked out an, an hour or so later, having they had deposited 12 grand in my bank personal bank account, which I immediately transferred to the business bank account and bought the uh, kitchen equipment. And then <laughs> it is crazy, like six it? months later, I paid off this three-year loan, um, much to their chagrin. They were sort of, oh, oh, well, um, uh, they had no early repayment penalties or nothing like that. And they, they were obviously expecting to make a bit of money off it. So then they immediately said to me, well, you now qualify for £25,000 for a car loan. And I said, well, if I think about getting another car, in brackets, more kitchen equipment, <laughs> I'll be back. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, it is. But, I mean, Nigel, all the marketing and all, uh, you know, it's all at consumer spending. You know, that's that's where yes. the marketing is driven. When you see yeah. it all, you know, you see the the car adverts on the telly and all that kind of carry on. They're, they're all driven at that. And yet... As soon as you drive the car out of the the, the parking lot, as you as you were, it's depreciated by you know sometimes twenty percent. So oh, it is. Yeah, it yeah, is. yeah, yeah. It's it's crazy. It's crazy. I've had the same thing in the bank, where uh, I had a conversation as to what I what I, I wanted to release some equity, to uh, to purchase another property, um, and uh, from my main main house. And I went in. I said, "Yeah, this is what I want to do," and they just said, "I think we should start the conversation again." And let's discuss this extension that you're you're looking forward to building. And I said, "What extension?" <laughs> they went, "The one that you're going to get. There's about ten. There's about ten miles away, <laughs> in the shape of a different." I said, "Really?" I said, "Really? Is, is this the way the game is played?" And, and they, they sort of said, um, "Yes. This is this is the easiest way to do that." So it, it's. It's crazy, but but there might be something there. But I would definitely go back to Rich Dad Poor Dad if you've never read it. It's kind of the seminal tome of anyone that gets into property um, and borrowing to understand the difference between assets and liabilities. And yep. I, I do remember, I do remember the first time I heard it with me as an accountant, the person at the front posed the question, what's an asset and what's a liability? And I leant back, hands behind my head, leant back in the chair and I looked around the room and I thought, well, there isn't one single person in this room who knows the technical accounting definition of asset or liability. And I was, I just had a smug smile on my face and this, uh, somebody put their hand up, said, yes, I know. And I thought, <laughs> this would be good. Come on. And they said, uh, yeah, an asset puts money in your pocket and a liability takes it out. And I think I audibly laughed out loud. I sort of went, ha! Anyway, the woman sort of momentarily paused, looked at this person who'd given the answer and said, yes, you're correct. <laughs> at which point, all these other people nodded and went, oh, yes, yes, well done. And I was sat at the back thinking, no, 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 no. This isn't the correct definition of an asset <laughs> liability. What are you talking about? This room is full of mad people. And it took me a while to get my head around it. And I tell you what, his definition of an asset and liability is a damn sight easier than the technical accounting definition of an asset or liability. So go with Robert Kiyosaki on that one for sure, <laughs> for sure. So that, that's number one then, mindset. Yeah, mind, definitely mindset. Yep, definitely. And once you've got your head around the mindset, then uh, you can choose which path you want to go down. But I think that without borrowing or without lending, um, not an awful lot would get done in the world, Nigel. That's that's the thing. So, yeah. you know, yeah, people, people couldn't buy property. People couldn't develop property. People couldn't do anything 
I mean, you know, the whole limited liability thing was concocted in the 16th, 17th century so that, that, that commerce could happen. And the British Empire took off as a result of it and lots of other empires besides. You know, you, cannot, you can't do an awful lot unless you borrow other people's money. Well, you only need, want... yeah, go, go back in time and there were great uh, dynasties of, of banking yep. and, and money lending. I mean, back in the Bible, the money lenders used to camp out uh, in the temples, um, and then you had, you know, coming into the Middle Ages, the the Templar Knights mm. rapidly became a business rather than anything else under the guise of something. But they they had a very clever, sort of a cryptic, um, sort of coded message thing that uh, you know you could deposit some money in England or France or something and disappear off five or six hundred miles, hand over this little coded piece of paper. And you could withdraw your money over there. It, mm. it was, you know, it, it's got to happen. It's got to happen as this. And so you are not, if you are thinking to yourself, I'm, I'm still worried about borrowing money. You are sadly, if you're thinking you're the first person to have ever borrowed money, you most definitely are not. <laughs> um, but what we are saying in this is, uh, you know, we are suggesting that there is, there are good things to borrow money against. And there are less good things borrow money again so so mindset that's number one what have we got right. for number two? Second thing is um you know well it depends how much we're talking about raising so this one is about how to raise smallish amounts of money we're going to do larger amounts of money later on so we mentioned the woman that was looking to raise six thousand pounds so if you're looking to raise sort of sub ten thousand and you know there are people who are lots of them who are starting off first property um want to get something going um, might not need to borrow the money to buy the house, but might need to borrow money to do a, ref a refurb or, um, you know, or get it done up or buy furniture to stage it, something like that might be smallish amounts. So the second thing I would be say to sell something, sell something physical or sell something that is uh, non-physical services, for example. Um, so, you know, most people, if they look around the house and I did it with my kids recently, we looked around the house at things that were surplus and we went to eBay, put stuff on eBay and in a very short space of time, you know, had generated uh, nearly £2,000 from stuff that was just lying around, you know, old iPhones. Um, they had an old uh, couple of gaming things. One of them, in fact, could have been classed as vintage, but somebody paid, you know, something that we thought we were going to get 50 quid for on eBay sold for nearly £300. So you just oh, never know. You just never no, know. No, you don't. I I mean, Ray, one of the interesting things I've, I've seen is once you understand that rich dad, poor dad asset liability concept, I have known people who have had, who've got a car um, and they actually bought it for cash. Now, the car might only be worth, I don't know, five, eight thousand pounds, something like that, or maybe ten thousand pounds. I have known people who, when they've realized that, have sold the car. They still need a car, so they, they then lease a car. They've ended up driving around in a car that's newer and have released sort of the best part of £10,000 in cash, but are now leasing a car 150 quid a month. Mm. And that £10,000 in cash enables the property to be refurbed. The rental income then exceeds, you know, has gone up by more than £150. And they've actually kind of invested in the property. The property value has gone up. They're now getting an extra 150 And that, paid for the car ad infinitum, yeah. um, you know, and it, it's getting your head around those things, isn't it? So it, it could be that you, maybe you're in a house with, with two cars and you're working from home, you know, do you need both at the moment? Maybe yeah. not. 
maybe you not. don't sell one. Um, but everybody has lots of things they can sell, you know, the surplus stuff. And and yeah, you know, they've, yeah. they've built these multi, I mean, multi-billions have been spent on these platforms and billions has been sent on distribution channels and supply chain so that, you know, you can get your, you know, former used uh, gaming deck that's sitting, you know, in a box, hopefully doing nothing. Um, you can put it on eBay, spend a couple of quid, it gets to a massive audience. And then lo and behold, you've got 300 quid suddenly, you know, a couple of days later or a week later. It's, it's, it's a system that's set up to be used. And um, I know a lot of people that use it, but I think that, you know, anybody can use it. It's there for anybody. No one, yep. no one is prevented from opening a, uh, an online account. So I would no, say no. And, and Facebook Marketplace is, uh, you know, has grown to be really quite massive as well. Yeah. So if you've well, always so, wondered so what that was. That's something physical. Now, selling services and things like that has become a lot easier as well. And again, there's multi-billion dollar platforms that have been created to do that. I've been instrumental recently in helping people to, to, to sell their services online. You know, you can sell uh, lead magnets, books, get email addresses, then start marketing your services. And then using something like teachable.com, you can start your, you know, a course on anything. And uh, I've done podcast episodes in other podcasts uh, about exactly how you can do that and the kind of money that can be generated from that can be quite significant. Now, yeah. I've had recently a couple of people that we've helped set up on Teachable who've uh, generated £15,000 a month, £10,000 a month for a couple of months, and then it tails off a bit. And then they, you know, they, get, they get, begin to realize that it's something they should nurture, and then they can go back up again and start earning some more money. So services can be sold online. Um, you the, don't underestimate the knowledge that you have in your head about some subject. And it doesn't have to be property. can be about absolutely anything. People will buy information. And there is a guy, Simon Coulson, who I think we both know. Um, yep. He yep. created a series of how-to books. You know, how to, uh, how to become a fireman, how to become a policeman, how to become a you know, air traffic controller, just that's a whole massive series of books that people who were in the industry wrote. He marketed them. They sold for, I think it was 1999. And he, you know, the deal was split half between them and half between him. And he went on to make something like 12 million pounds in, in, in about 10 years doing that kind of thing. So don't underestimate the knowledge that you have in your head. It's just a question of putting it into a format that other people can understand and will and will absolutely pay for. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's true. I was doing a, a webinar the other day and uh, there were about 500 people on it. And as I went through, it was, it was purely a how-to webinar. And um, I couldn't read the comments as they scrolled off the screen. They were that fast and that, kind of amazed at, at how how you can do that um and it was just revealing the tools where you can go away and do it yourself sort of mm -hmm. thing so um yeah it's it's amazing when you uh, when somebody sort of points out have you looked at this there can be a whole new world out there for people so definitely um physical products you can sell as well as um as services yeah so that was number I don't number know, two. Was... That was number two. Okay. Number two. Number, number... Feels like about number thirty-five, but number two. <laughs> number, two. number three would be three. Uh, friends and family. Friends and family. They know you best. If you're looking to raise some money, smallish amounts of money, <clears> then they know you best. They know what you're capable of. 
if you manage to uh, convince them that what you're using the money for is a good idea and they're going to get a return on it and it's going to be safe, secure, you know, you're not going to rush off and uh, put it on black or put it on red, but you're actually going to create an asset, then friends and family are the ones to turn to because they're the ones that will that know you and are likely to support you more than a stranger will. That's for sure. Yeah, that's true. It, it's sometimes <laughs> a lot of people that, you know, we speak to, they say the hardest thing is to ask friends and family. It's almost easier to ask a complete stranger um, because it, sometimes the very fact they know you, <laughs> it terrifies you because you <laughs> might have had a track record of, uh, of something. And yeah, I've had this conversation. I was 12. I was yeah. 12 when I bought that bike. <laughs> I know. When you I said it, I said, I said I was, yeah, I was only eight years old when I thought I could buy mud and sell it. You know, give me a break. But, but friends and family hold those, hold your track record against you if you're not careful, yeah, don't absolutely. they? Well, there was someone um, the other day uh, talking on Facebook and they, they made a comment that said, you know, I have my Facebook profile and then I have my Facebook page. So the profile is me personally and the page is business. And normally I post everything on the page, you know, when I'm looking for investors or I'm trying to get something off the ground, you know, and this person did, did refurbs and flips, that sort of thing. And then they did a post on their profile, which went out to friends and family. And a number of friends and family came back and said, I didn't know you were doing that. You know, um, you know, and they weren't looking for money. They were saying, I have done this project, which generated X amount of money for an investor. I will be shortly doing another project. And I'm currently looking for a similar project. It was that kind of post. And the friends and family came back and said, yeah, well, I'd like to be involved. And they didn't even know the friends and family had the money. So, uh, yeah. yeah, tell them yeah. what you do. Let people know what it is that you do. And you'll be surprised who comes out the woodwork. Absolutely. Okay. So there's um, number three. Number Thanks. three. All right. Number four would be, um, yeah, the good old banks and credit cards. Now, whilst I would never advise anyone to build a business or do something using credit cards, uh, I have seen it done. Uh, and I have done it myself in the past where, you know, you get a credit card, you're given a limit of whatever it might be, 10 grand, 15 grand, 20 grand. I knew a business angel who had a credit limit of £50,000 on his credit card that he never used. And in the last uh, you know, recession, uh, the, the downturn, 2008, 9, 10, uh, he came complaining to me that his, his card limit had been reduced to 10 grand from 50. And he was raging. And, and I said, well, how many times do you use it? He said, well, I don't use it, but that's not the point. It's kind of there in case I need it. And I said, how long have you had the card? He said, about 12 years. I said, how many times have you used it? Well, I've never used it. I said, well, that's why they, they reduced it right down because the banks had to shore up their balance sheet and all that sort of carry on. So they did that quite across the board. And once he found out it wasn't him personally, um, you know, it kind of lessened, <laughs> lessened the blow a bit. But, oh, he was quite annoyed, quite annoyed. But, uh, yeah, banks and credit cards. You know, the banks uh, do lend money. Overdrafts are quite cheap, although the rules have changed recently on overdrafts. So if you have an overdraft and it's under £500, then that's fine. But if it's over £500, they're now hitting them with quite hefty interest charges. So that's something to look out for. But um, banks will do term loans and interest rates are low. So take advantage of them. If you think that, you know, you can generate more. So if, so we we'll talk about yield for a second. If you're going to get a property buy-to-let property, something like that. 
if it's going to yield 8% and you can borrow the money at 5%, you're ahead of the game. But if you're, if you're paying too much for the money and you can't get a decent yield on that money, then you probably need to rethink your strategy. But banks and credit cards. Now, <clears throat> someone spoke to me the other day. Uh, no, the other day. It was a couple of weeks ago. What are we now? We're in March. March 2021. March, for sake. God, January had about 300 days in it. February had about three. And now we're into March. Um, I think it was beginning of February, end of January. I, um, I think it was, um, you know, you saying, what were you doing? You were doing try January. I think that's why I think that's why February disappeared in a blur. <laughs> it did just in a blur. Uh, I know it's a short month, but that's ridiculous. Um, so this this guy was looking to uh, start his own business, and he still had a you know was still working for an employer, and 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 I said go out and get as many credit cards as you can, because once you become self-employed, it'll be very difficult to get a credit card. And he said, well, I never thought of that, but I don't really use credit cards. And I said, well all the better then. If you don't use them, that's great. But if you do need to use them to, let's say, buy services. And when we got speaking, he was going to be using the likes of Fiverr.com to get things made. And he was going to be using a, a number of sort of online software platforms um, and needed access to a, some online training. Then the only way to get that, or at least I, I said a good way to get it is to use a credit card. Because if anything goes wrong, anything like that, um, then, uh, you know, it, it can be fixed. You, can, it, it, you know, it, it can be uh, used the cards and, and he can use that to purchase those services and can put them through, um, yep. you know, through as business expenses. Yep. I mean, I, I have uh, done it in the past where I've used my credit card to purchase something chunky. Um, and then I have um, opened a, a, another credit card that was giving a balance transfer at 0%. And I think the transfer fee was one and a half percent. So um, I, I borrowed, I, I don't know, maybe 5,000 or something or, or something, purchased that on the card and then flipped it over onto one that I'd got lined up for a balance transfer and mm. um, moved that across and ended up with a 5,000 pound, one and a half percent loan mm. um, over, I think it was about 30 months or something like that. So it's a great way of front loading your cash flow. So you can get the lump sum up front and then have relatively small repayments. So, I mean, we yeah. will be talking about that as we do the next one when raising bigger chunks of money, um, you know, government incentives or government schemes where you can do that. Um, yeah. But for this one, we're keeping fairly small amounts. So these are, these are really useful things. And I know people um, always worry about borrowing any money and you should because um, the key thing is you have to know how you're going to repay anything and that's the key thing if you're just going to borrow it and go off and do something without much of a plan then that is exactly it it's not much of a plan and, you know, we would always suggest that you need to do this because you have a definitive outcome that you want to achieve and that you have an ability you can see in the future in order to repay things. Um, do not head into something, <laughs> you know, we would suggest do not head into something where when the person asks you the first question, oh, that's good, how are you going to repay that? And you suddenly stop. The music, you know, like when you walk into a dodgy pub, and the chatter stops, the music goes, 
and and everyone stares at you you don't want to be that that person at that moment going repay it you know don't be like my kids who think that money comes out the hole in the wall and uh, and and it's just someone inside who just keeps giving it to you when you feel like you need it um they they were staggered that you had to repay this money <laughs> so always factor that in folks you know whether you're borrow, borrowing a fiver from a mate um i mean obviously if, if he's a lot smaller than you and you reckon you could either outrun him or thump him you know maybe maybe that's all right but if he's a big guy always work out how am i going to give him his fiver back yeah, indeed indeed like okay. uh, so that's a uh, bank and credit cards can be useful yeah. um while we're on the subject of credit cards now if you have a business already and uh, we did this for someone. Um, I was doing a presentation on how to raise money and there are about 30, 40 people in the room and we did a Q&A and uh, someone asked the question and said, what's the smallest amount of money you would you know, look to raise? And I said, well, for us uh, to be involved with contracts and various other things, we really wouldn't want to go below 50,000 pounds at all, really. Um, we, we now do simple contracts for anything under about 100,000 pounds, but, but we didn't want to go anything less than that. And this chap said, oh, gosh, you know, I, I, I need £5,000 to keep my business going. And I thought, well, that's a bit tragic. What, what business do you have? And he said, I've got a tattoo parlor. And there was some license that he had to get. And he was confident that, you know, when, look, when I get the license, I'll be able to pay it no problem because I'll, the number of clients I have now that I'm licensed will be able to, you know, increase. And it was only £5,000. So I contacted a, a lender that I know and they said, well, do they have a credit card machine? Um, and they did. And he said, well, we can we can do it through the credit card machine. We will take the repayments through the card machine. So how that works is that they advanced him the, the £5,000. And then every time someone made a payment on the card machine and, and being a tattoo artist, it was, you know, it wasn't £2.50. It would be £50, £40, £60, £90, a couple of hundred pounds, that sort of thing. They would take a small percentage of that. So uh, he didn't even see the repayments. And it was only a matter of mere months later that the loan had been repaid completely. Uh, and he sent me a very nice message online saying, um, thanks very much, saved my life, saved my business. That was great. Everyone had told me, you know, there was nothing I could do. Uh, he didn't have, a, I think he, he had, his credit rating was against him or something. I can't remember the details of it, but he'd, he'd exhausted most of the avenues. And this was one that was entirely open and it worked. And then he was subsequently able to go back again, although I haven't spoken to him since, and I don't know if he has gone back again, but he was able to. I met him a year or so later, and he said that, you know, they'd been in touch again and said if he ever needed anything, they were there to help. So uh, I'm sure that was a win all round, because I'm sure they would have done it at, uh, at, a, a, at a decent rate. But mm. whatever it was, it worked. So credit cards don't... I mean, that's, um, that's an interesting one, because I don't think many people will have heard of that or appreciate how how relatively straightforward and easy that is. Um, and also, you know, kind of painless, mm. probably unlike the tattoos, but, um, you know, painless in, in terms of the money disappears without you ever seeing it. It's as if you never had it. People yep. find it really hard when cash flow is tight, the money comes in and then they've got to physically give it out again. That's when uh, people don't like it. So if you never get it all in um, and it's already paying it off, that's good. But it, I well, mean, we, um, it works in a similar way, sort of, to um, I mean, I, I know people that have the pubs when pubs were a thing. I know people that have pubs and uh, they could borrow money from a brewery 
on a similar scheme yeah. where uh, they would the brewery would advance them money to to do up the premises or do whatever they wanted to do to it, and then they would simply take the repayments back from <laughs> the from the payments they made to buy stock. So they would buy a thousand pounds worth of stock, maybe a hundred pounds of that um, would go towards the uh, payment of the loan, and it, and it was it was in discounts. So you didn't get your discount; you paid the normal price. And instead of getting a discount rebate, it just simply went to pay off the loan. So it's a similar idea. So yeah, that was yeah, number five yeah. credit card machine. Um, number six is a, a term called factoring. Factoring. Yeah, um, you'll know all about factoring. And yep. for, for anyone that's listening, factoring is essentially when you have a number of invoices. Um, let's say you you know you you got you invoice your work, and the the clients the customers don't pay quickly, don't pay on time. You can take those invoices, you can go to a factoring company, and then they will advance you. Usually, I think it's about eighty percent of the money. So if you've invoiced ten thousand, you'll get eight thousand on the strength of the invoices, and then they will pursue. Uh, the the customers for that particular debt. So factoring is another good way of doing it. Yeah, but- it, it is uh, because, you know, some people, when they make sales, um, they might not have the resources in the business to chase up people, to be on the phone, to go around, to collect the money. And if, you, if you've got slow payers, then, you know, selling it to a factoring company, 80, 85% of the invoice value. So you've sold something for a hundred pounds, the factoring company pays you 85 for it and they make the 15 quid when they collect the hundred pounds. But in terms of headspace and other things, when you're wanting money up front, you might look at your sales and say, actually takes us 120 days to get this cash in. If you give it to a factoring company, then you could get that, um, you know, on day one. All right. It's only 85%, but that immediate upfront cash flow that cash injection into the business could be the difference because you can't hang on and wait, you know, the 120 days till you get it because it, it just puts pressure on the whole business, you know, to keep going. So it's a great cash flow tool. Also, if you've got some pain in the ass customers who it is always a pain getting the money off them, then just put it straight to the factoring company. Um, yeah. They, they are sometimes, relatively surprised when they phone up and say somebody else is is coming saying we've we've got to pay them we've got to pay them today mm-hmm. you know? so oh, yeah yeah i thought i'd let you know you know we've sold well, your your business on well one of the things i mean we I've, I've known about factoring for a long long time but when i was in a law firm and i was working uh, helping other law firms that was one of the things that that we did quite quickly when they had a bit of a challenge with getting their fees in is hand that over to a factoring uh, company because they did have much uh, more robust a more robust system when it came to collecting debt than the law firm did which tended to be very much sort of oh you can't pay oh well never mind we'll talk to you next month type thing no the factoring company are like hey hey it's due now. I'll, I'll phone you in an hour oh, oh. Yeah, yeah, I'll phone you in an hour with your solution. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but uh, interesting, I've been working with a couple of professionals and what I've said to them now, uh, and it has worked for them, uh, is that when they are selling their services to someone, they get payment right there and then. They get payment uh, up front. Yeah. And it does work, you know. It's uh, okay. Uh, there's a process to go through, 
but you can actually get payment right there and then on the spot and not wait until the product or service has been delivered. And quite a lot of online courses do that. You know, you have to pay, um, you have to, you can pay in one installment or you can pay in three installments, but it's got to be paid before you get access to the material. Um, and, yeah, and true. What, and um, during the pandemic, um, sort of lockdown one, when people are trying to secure PPE or open accounts for food deliveries and things like that. So for, for me and, and what we do, uh, they, they were big issues. And what you found is that um, if you were opening, if you didn't have an account with them already, because so many people were trying to come in, they were yeah. saying, well, it's, uh, it's cash up front. Uh, in order to get onto our sort of um, our list of uh, customers. And um, yeah, that was uh, that's a perfect opportunity for the mm -hmm. old fraudsters to step in. Mm -hmm. And there were a, a few uh, a few care homes that uh, I know um, thought they'd secured some PPE and paid eye-watering amounts uh, up front and then lo and behold they got no deliveries and then they found out that there wasn't even a company so if you are doing that make sure you, you know um, you can do that to other people but if, if they're asking you to pay up front just do a bit of due diligence that they are legit the services are there try and find some customers do a bit of background research because um, business should always be a two-way thing and if you feel it's stacked in the favor of one person too much then uh, think again. Okay. So, All right. so that is our six tips for raising smallish amounts of money. So number one was mindset. Number two was sell something physical or, uh, or services. Number three was friends and family. You had number a third, four. you had a third F in there, right? Well, people say FFF, friends, family, and fools. Uh, who are usually when when they're startup companies, you know, that's what you look for is friends, family, fools, because is it foolish to make an investment in a startup company? Some people have made a lot of money out of it. But, yeah. you know, they tend Probably to nine take, times out of 10. Yes. Well, they tend to take a balanced risk sort of thing where, you know, a, an investor will make uh, if an investor's got one hundred thousand pounds, they might make 10 investments of 10,000 each. And you know, eight of them won't do anything. One of them will get their money back. And then they hope that one will repay all the others and the rest, which yeah. is usually what happens, but they never know which one it's going to be. Um, number four is banks and credit cards. Number five was the credit card machine loan, very um, underused, not well known. And number six was factoring. So there we are. How to raise okay. smallish amounts of money. Um, six ways to do so and it will be in the notes i'm pretty sure <laughs> as he looks at me to say <laughs> yeah don't forget to write those up um <laughs> yeah i need seriously need to outsource this stuff um however however hopefully everyone that's been useful uh we're going to be stepping this up and doing bigger amounts uh we'll intersperse these episodes with other um interviews and uh other things we've got some uh, we've got some good people, I think, um, hopefully in the pipeline episodes, uh, yep. including people that have sold uh, businesses for billions. Mm -hmm. um, so we are, yeah, this clubhouse is a great way of connecting with people, isn't it? It is. Very good way of connecting and uh, surprisingly easy to get people to agree. <laughs> it's just they'll agree, but then it's a question of finding the date and time to see. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the thing at the moment, just trying to coordinate diaries to, uh, to do it. Um, I said that we often do things Tuesday, eight o'clock in the morning, UK time. It went 
quiet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because that's um, yeah, midnight, um, one in the morning for the. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we'll, we'll we'll sort it out. We'll get it sorted out. But Ray, thank you very much. Excellent episode. I hope that's been useful for people. Just as a reminder, a refresher. There might be a new method in there that you'd forgotten about. Uh, it could be something that you pass on and help with somebody else who's struggling to do it. And uh, we will see you in the next one. So who are you? I've been Ray McLennan. I am at Nigel T. Best on Clubhouse. Uh, <laughs> and we will see you very soon. Bye for now. Good luck. Bye. Thank you for listening to the How to Raise Money podcast. It's made for people who want to raise money as debt or investment equity for their business or property proposal or empire. The website has all the useful links and underlying research, and you can get downloads of the checklists and other useful information. See you next time, where we can show you how to raise money. There is abundance. There is money enough for everyone on the planet. The question is, who has yours?